Welcome to Story Talking, episode 35. This week, my guest is Iska Mayu, one of our rock star storytellers here on Launchora. She, Iska is the person you've probably, as soon as you start hearing this episode, you will know exactly who Iska is. She has done one of our most popular listen stories uh, called I'm Still Alive. She was featured in the last issue of The Storyteller. Her story was called To Miss You More. And she also has a guide called Giving Your Thoughts Justice. So Iska is 18 years old, one of the most um, inspiring uh, people that I've had the privilege of talking to uh, on this podcast. I know we're only 35 episodes in, but she is... She is just a wonderful person uh, who has really poured her entire soul into uh, sharing her stories and inspiring people and giving them something to relate to. She is uh, right now in college, so uh, we kind of had a whole conversation about her childhood, how she got into writing, what got her into the headspace to to share personal stories, using personal stories to tell certain things about life that she thinks about, what it was like to grow up uh, in two different cultures and countries. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. There is episode 35 of Story Talking with Iskamayu. I was born in Cebu, Philippines, that's for sure. That's where you're right now. Yes. Okay. Uh, September twenty first, nineteen ninety nine. I'm September nineteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Wow. Yeah, exact. Almost ten years. Yeah. Yeah. And what do uh, do you mind me asking? What your parents do? Uh yeah, sure. My mom is an executive secretary. Okay. At this um, multi company. I don't know much about her company. They saw okay. a lot of stuff. And my dad, I don't really know where he is. No, I know where he is. I'm sure he's in Cebu. Okay. But I'm not sure what he's doing because they're separated okay. and they never actually got married. Okay. So when you were born, were they already separated or were they together back then? Funny story is my mom got pregnant when she was 16. Okay. I kind of mentioned this in my lesson story. Yeah. Uh, and and my dad, he was kind of you know not ready for it, and he just wanted to enjoy life. Yeah. And he didn't the responsibility, so they separated. Yeah. They tried to make it work. I think they they told me they did try yeah. to make it work. Yeah. And I think I remember a couple moments where they were together and stuff. Yeah. There wasn't much of it. It was mostly them being separated and me having to choose whether yeah. to be with my mom or my dad. So yeah. yeah, you you wrote about her with so much. It's like you were when you did the listen story, which I mm-hmm. absolutely loved. I I I heard it when after we posted. I heard it before we posted it, but one time I heard it like in the car when I was driving 
and it it was like the music you picked then the background it was just it was very um it was like I was listening to uh I I was giving this example to someone I was I was telling about it I was like it was like it was like I was listening to a spiritual leader give a sermon but a very personal one something yeah. where they were talking about themselves but yeah the way you talked about your mom it was very you know uh it's like you were able to understand what she must have gone through because you now you're older than she was when she had you i i was actually scared i wasn't supposed to send it because i felt like it was too raw like yeah, um, yeah. i don't think i'm ready for people to i mean i know they don't really know me or anything but yeah it was it was a little terrifying but i sent it <laughs> i mean how did how did that feel then the it is it is a weird thing right you we we live in a time when a click of a button can take everything from something that only you know to something that anyone can find out it's very true it it was nerve-wracking because i'm i'm very social person i mean that's how i portray myself as mm-hmm. to people around me but what they don't really know is that deep inside i'm an introvert and i keep a lot of things to just myself right and i i make them feel like i share a lot of information about myself but in mm-hmm. reality it's just as you said the tip of the iceberg so yeah that's yeah and you yeah so when did you move to abu dhabi um i moved when i was 11 years old okay yeah your mom got a job is that where you moved there no she's she moved there when i was about 4 okay. years old but uh the reason why she brought me with her is because i had some sexuality issues and they learned i was a lesbian and stuff so she thought that my grandparents were able to you know discipline me well so really like, i'm going to take my daughter with me and discipline her by myself so that's very brave yeah wow so she was she was supportive about it uh when you told her no no yeah when when they found out it was only my uncle at first because my uncle was gay mm the first one to know about it and i never actually admitted it but he knew because somehow i was giving him hints you know like mm. we're just best friends but i love her something like that and it's yeah. so gay i'm like i don't really care yeah. <laughs> and i was young at that time so i was kind of exploring and trying to understand myself and until such time that i was able to admit it but my mom wasn't very open about it because mm. she also dated a lesbian when really? she was young. Yeah. Okay. And my grandparents kept telling me, "Ha, huh, that's that's history repeats itself." And so she's very <laughs> mad. She's like, "No, that's not true. History will not repeat itself because if history did repeat itself that i would be pregnant by 16 so right. she got me pregnant by 16 so she was very frustrated and mad and so she brought me with her 
and she really she didn't admit it but i noticed how she tried to slowly you know transform me and right. influence me to become a full girl yeah Whereas, is is your mom religious? Are you religious? Yeah, we are actually. We're from a very religious family, and I actually went into a phase where I started questioning yeah. my religion because you know what if it was I was just this religious because it was imposed to me while yeah. I was growing up. What if this isn't really what I want to believe in? Yeah, on my way back, and yeah. It is. Religion is one of those things where it's a lot like when you're growing up, your parents are just teaching you the rules of life. Mm -hmm. And religion seems to come with its own rules, which you can just outsource sometimes, I think, in parenting. Where you can be like, you know what? Uh, here are some rules about morality and ethics and how you treat other people. And you don't have to trust me because I'm your parent. You have to. Tr you can. You can listen to God because He's a person, and yeah. he, and he, and a lot of people believe in Him. So you might as well take His word. Yeah. I've I've seen, but then I guess when you, when you reach that teenage years, when there's a lot of self discovery and you start looking internally, that's when you start questioning everything that you do believe in. But you, so you, but you still found yourself back into wanting to be someone who believes. Yes, I did. Uh, it was hard to find my way back, but I guess writing helped me a lot yeah. and finding my way back because I just started to write and write and write about how I felt and things, things that made me sad, the things that made me upset, the things I'm wondering about, the things I'm, I'm questioning. And yeah wrote about it somehow I noticed that from questioning I started answering my own questions yeah and I realized I was still a believer inside and when was this uh, this this discovery it was before I turned 17 I remember there was one night I was crying and I was very upset because I had an argument with my mom. Mm. She was telling, it was, it wasn't even that big, but you know, thoughts that, that, that I thought about, it was, it was very major because she got mad at me, telling me I was almost legal, but it seems like I don't have my life figured out. Mm -hmm. And I keep relying on her, and I don't know how to do things without, you know, without being told. And I kind of realized, when did I ever do something yeah. without being told? Did I ever know what to do without being told what to do? Yeah. When, when, when did I ever have my life figured out? And so I kind of reflected and stuff. Somehow I found myself writing about how God is there to guide me and stuff. Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so it was funny. I woke up laughing. So you moved there when you were 11. Mm -hmm. What was that 
culture shock? Did you have any, you think? Because it's a completely different world. I did have a lot of culture shocks. Um, the first is probably the, 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 the mosque when it yeah. plays for the yeah. time. I got scared at first because I thought it was some, you know, like there was a disaster going on and yeah. people people were heading in the same direction. And I was like, Shit, am I supposed to follow them? Right. And I was so confused, but my mom was like, no, that's just the, the call for the prayer time and stuff. And they go to that direction because that's where the um, it's where something Mecca is. is. Yeah. 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 And they're all bringing their carpets and praying. It was, it was different because I found out that wherever they were, they really stopped to pray. Yeah. Yeah. So now that kind of even inspired me more. I mean, they could do that, but like, couldn't I? You know? Yeah. And the 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 greetings, men would, um, you know, greet each other nose to nose and stuff, and it was it was different. There were a lot of different things, and how women were valued very much. Uh, you know, the seating arrangement in the buses. Yeah. And the wives, there were covered and stuff and it was, yeah. it was nice did you did you start writing things down like did you start having creative thoughts before you left or was it when you moved there when I moved there yeah it was definitely when I moved there I would get homesick a lot and yeah. miss my grandparents and because I grew up with my grandparents because when my mom got pregnant they were the ones who took care of me and stuff Mm -hmm. while she was finishing her education so yeah i just started writing a lot after we moved and what kind of stuff were you were you writing early it was mostly about uh, love but not love for significant other but love for your parents your friends yeah. your family and they were mostly poems yeah like, um, I woke up, I wake up each morning, blah, 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 thinking about, mm. and it's, it's very clean, but yeah. Do you see yourself sometimes judging young you's writing? Judging what? Judging Sorry? what the younger version of you was writing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though she's still in you, you know. Mm -hmm. It's the same. You're just there's a new shell. Yeah. It's like a, those Russian dolls, you know. She's she's down there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think she but, would judge you for judging you? No, I don't think so. No. She's forgiving like that. Myself was more open. Yeah. Compared to myself now, I'm more cynical, more skeptical. So I feel like. I'd be more of a judger than my younger self. But I, 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 I do think that you're right. The, the younger me was definitely easier. He was more calm. And I think it was easier for him to be calm. And for me, it's a harder thing to be calm. Because maybe I just know more. Maybe, like you say, you know, like there's the skepticism and the cynicism. It comes because of the external reality the, that we, the, the world around us, not really, 
it's not like we suddenly change where we're molded by the world to kind of think a certain way. I agree with that. I feel like who I've become now is more, um, is caused more of the environment I'm in and the experiences I went through. It's not like I'm a whole different person from who I was. It's just that I've somehow developed, you know, new ways to cope with the ever-evolving world. It's interesting that you, I mean, I, I've never been to the Philippines. I've never even been to Abu Dhabi, but the, I would imagine in a very generalistic way, they're both conservative cultures. The Philippines is, 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 is primarily a, a Christian environment, and you went from mm-hmm. that to a Muslim environment. Both of them do not like people to question their sexuality much. So yes. how does a teenage person who should just be left open to free to be free, how did you deal with that once you It was very to? challenging because I had to hide it for a very long time. Yeah. And it was it was up to me, you know, how I would come out. Either I ease it in or I just blurt it out. I'm gay. Yeah. But I figured, you know, maybe I could try and start with small steps. I started with myself because I was very unsure. Hmm. I started accepting it and then I started telling my mom who was still not open about it but I figured she's gonna have to accept it eventually because she doesn't have any other daughter I'm just I'm the only one yeah then I started telling my friends and it was they took it as a joke no one Mm. ever believed me they were like uh there's no way you're lesbian there's no way you're bisexual (laughs) whatever there's no way you date a girl and I mean, okay, if you don't want to believe me, then don't. But at least I've said it now. Yeah. It's out in the open, and it's up to you if you believe me or not. And and then, I guess, over time, people just realized, you know, that she wasn't joking. She was trying to reach out, trying to, you know, be true. Yeah. And eventually, they didn't have much choice because this is me. Yeah, the, I mean, I think that was one of the, the really cool things about your story too. It was, you didn't just give the harsh reality of what happened. You gave what you got out of it, what you learned about yourself and about the world. And you, that's what the second half really deals with. You're saying that, oh, you know, I didn't have to think that, dying is better you know it's because it you were you had to save yourself from becoming the person other people want you to become you know the how does your how's your so how's your mom about the whole situation now is everything a lot better 
everything's been much better actually because I've started to communicate with her yeah. more. I I've started to form this habit where I tell her everything that's happening with my life and everything new, everything everything I'm experiencing, I just make sure that I tell her. Yeah. So she's not left, you know, clueless or outdated. Right. Especially daughter so yeah i just make sure i tell her everything update her and she's been more open now mm. ever since we had that one big fight where i just absolutely told her everything i had on my mind like right. i'm not stupid i know what's wrong and right i'm you know you sent me to school so i can think i can decide which what to do and what not to do and about my sexuality, I mean, it's, it's hard because religion and stuff, but I, I don't think you can do much about how I feel. Yeah. So she didn't talk for a couple weeks, mm. probably months, and eventually she reached out and she said that okay, we're going to start telling each other everything. We're going to start, you know, being open and I'm going to start to understand you, trust yeah. you more. And everything was better after that. That's great. Yeah, it was great. So Abu Dhabi for about six, uh, six years, right? Mm -hmm. And so you had to not only go through your your the normal coming of age, you also had the coming out experience. And on top of that, you're in a completely new world that wasn't the world that was supposed to be your safety place. Yes. How was, how was it, was it, I want to ask a tough question, but I don't know how to form it. I want to ask how it was like to fall in love in that environment. Like, what, what was that first experience where you, where love was in pain, but it was actually happiness? It was probably when my mom told me there was a possibility of us moving again. Right. to another country and usually I'd be you know in the situation I was in I was in a different environment especially high school in a different you know in a different yeah. culture it's very overwhelming and I I underwent through um, mild bullying uh it was, I would usually be happy, you know, yeah. if I was the younger me, I guess. Yeah. At that time, if I was two years younger, I'd probably be happy about the idea of moving. Mm. But instead, mm -hmm. I actually felt upset. And it hit me. I actually learned how to love the place, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's hard. It's it's a lot of adjusting. It's a lot of understanding. It's a lot of compromise. But it's become my home. 
the, the different the diversity the different people different cultures different attitudes it's that's what makes it Abu Dhabi that's mm. what makes it himself and I realized I've fallen in love with mm -hmm. a new place yeah. and I never want to leave so how was that decision to come here come back to the Philippines for for school it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life it was even harder than moving there yeah around six seven years ago and you know I don't want I don't want to leave it because it's become my safe haven and if you compare it both economically and um, you know the lifestyle mm -hmm. it's very different it's very there's the the contrast is just it's very you know mm -hmm. obvious and I I didn't want to accept it at first I kept trying to look for alternatives just so I would stay yeah but it was a choice between pursuing my dreams and pursuing my dreams in the best way I can hmm. and staying in my comfort zone. Right. Chose to take a risk and come back. And your mom is still in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, she's still there. And you so you're are you now living in like in college dorms or with your grandparents? Uh I'm living with my grandparents because okay. they're are old and they kind of need company, so okay. I'm one of them. The are they? Did you notice that they treat you differently now than when you left? Yes, actually, they've been more open. Yeah, I guess because back when I was living here before we moved, they were very strict and very caring and very. You know, concern wherever I went, whatever I did, they they, they were very, you know, the, the typical conservative yeah. parents. Yeah. But after coming back, they were they were very open. It seems like they somehow understood too that yeah. I've come from a completely different culture, and I would be bringing that with me eventually when I come back. Yeah, you, you went as a child and you came back as an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The how would you say? What would that? What would be something that eleven-year-old you, if she could see eighteen-year-old you right now, what would be one thing that she would be surprised by about your personality, who you are now? And what would be something that she would not at all be surprised by? She would completely believe that, yes, this is, I believe that she's like that. My 11-year-old self would probably be very surprised of how I've grown to be tough. Mm -hmm. Because um, I've just been very resilient, you know? Mm -hmm. I didn't. Everything that came my way through high school, through the moving process, through coming out, 
I'm just starting to let it pass through. Yeah. I don't care. It happens. It happens. I mean, this is life. I'm going to go with it as well. I can't yeah. fight it. So I'm going to go with it because 11 year old me would never do that. 11 year old me would not be surprised with how emotional I am yeah. right now. <laughs> Always been emotional and I still am. But I have been resilient. So I guess it's, it's a good combination. I mean, the emotional part is is a gift because you're sharing it. You're this. It's what makes you write. Yeah. It's what makes you. I mean, you know, I always see writing as something that. It's like, everyone can do it. Everyone can tell a story. But you need to believe first that there's a story story worth telling in you. I think it's that decision that makes it a lot easier to share something, something as extremely personal with strangers. Did you, how did you deal with that when you started sharing what you were writing publicly? The very first thing I did probably was find a pseudonym. Yeah. It was, it was everything. I I couldn't just put it out there right away, you know? Yeah. And just let people know that it was me writing yeah. things. I, I still wanted to hide. And it's ironic because I'm writing and it's personal, but I'm still trying to be hidden. Mm. So that, that was the first way of how I dealt with publicly writing and then I guess the rest of the process was just accepting and believing that it's what you said you no know, we all have a story and it doesn't really matter if it's the best story or if it's if you write it beautifully or if you follow all the right things to do in writing a story, what matters is there's something in it, you know? There's, yeah. there's something out of that story that others can relate to. Others mm. can... It's, it, it's what I said in the guide. It's, it's only when your story touches the heart of other people and yeah. actually affects lives that you feel like you've written. Yeah. Do you remember that first experience of when someone says something nice about what you did, what you wrote? Yes. It was. It was the first um, story. It wasn't a story, but the first piece I published on Lanchora, and someone commented on it saying it was I think he was sharing about what he thought about what I wrote as yeah. well and he said that it was very nice because he could relate to it a lot mm. and that was that was when I thought I guess I did good enough because yeah. someone else 
said it was great. And the moment I saw you follow me, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is, this is weird, but you know, it was overwhelming. I remember, so. I remember when, yeah, I think it was like more than a year ago. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I think the, what I think about not just the story that we featured, because that was a little bit more fictional than the stuff you were writing before, because earlier you were writing more things to, that people can, you know, learn from and get, you know, get, uh, there were more thought pieces, like you say, you know, uh, to help deal with what they're going through. But the, the, even the con- the way you fictionalized what you were going through with the To Miss You More story, I think what you're able to do that, that people get attracted to is that there's this raw honesty that is still well-structured, that it almost feels like it's a trap because you've drawn the person in immediately because it's just the way you're saying it. It's... it's it's just, it's just, it's the naked truth. And sometimes the naked truth can be harsh. But I felt like that was the one thing that you somehow, maybe you notice it, maybe you think about it, maybe it's subconscious, but you didn't make it seem harsh. You made it seem very, uh, like, it's okay if you feel this way. Don't worry, you know? Like, I got you because I've, I've been through it too. I got you. You know, which is, which is a really, it's way beyond your years kind of wisdom sometimes. And I'm always blown away when I find out that something I read was written by like a 16, 17 year old. Cause it's, it's, it's like half our, almost half our platform is, is your age. Like, you know, that 13 to 18 and I'm blown away that, oh wow, I was so bad at writing when I was your age. I was not even close to how like my confidence did not exist at 18 just did not exist as a as a writer because I didn't do it so how do you feel about your growth since you started writing how do you see yourself when you when you look back to be honest I still feel kind of overwhelmed I still don't feel that you know I'm, I write good stuff. When people tell me and when I, when I got featured, I felt like maybe there's been some kind of mistake. I mean, it's a cliche, but like, you know, maybe this wasn't really real. I was just kind of a rock. I was sent the wrong email or something, but (laughs) I guess it's because I have, I have that kind of thing. I'm not, I show people something, but I feel the complete opposite. I, I show people that I'm confident, but deep inside, I'm really not. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm doubting myself. And somehow, I guess as I grew into my, the writer I am now, it's, I can, I feel a little proud of myself and making it, you know, eventually slowly coming out of that, that face and that attitude there, I've 
shows something completely different from what I actually feel. Yeah. And I guess that's why it, my writing comes out as something raw and, you know, just just the real thing. Because yeah. I'm trying to stop the, the hiding and the pretense. So I guess I couldn't do it yet in real life. So I'm trying to slowly yeah. put it to writing. The you you mentioned that to miss you more was about a real experience with someone that was close to you. Yeah. Was it how was it like a family member or was it someone you you were in love with? Like what was uh, that? It was a family member who yeah. died, but the feelings I I made it. The twist I added in the story was that I made him someone I was in love with because at that time I kind of lost someone I liked as well. Okay. I mean, it was, um, I thought we were, you know, about to have something, but right. uh, dead and stuff. And it was, everything was just sudden, abrupt, yeah. and I wasn't ready, I wasn't prepared, and so I guess as I was gathering down the feelings and my emotions, I said, okay, let's, why not, why not? Hmm. It's such an interesting thing to say through these characters that, oh, you think this is bad, you're, it's going to be much worse, like, you're going to miss me more. And it's, it's very, usually, you know, when you, when I, or when you, you know, you're reading, you, sometimes you get people who all they want to do is get to a conclusion that feels safe or feels complete. Like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of complete endings because I feel like people don't die after I end their story. They should keep living. So it shouldn't feel too made up. And I think that was the interesting thing about the way into that story that, oh, you, you know, this is, this is a, this is a journey. This is, you've just completed stage one. There's a lot more hardships on the way, but you, you're, all you have to do is keep figuring out what you need to get through the next stage. And it's such a subtle thing, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of the title of the story being the best part of the story. Like, I, I think if the title is good enough, then the story will, you know, live up to the expectations. So, I really, that was that was one of the reasons why I really liked it, for sure. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to be, I need the title to be justified. So, <laughs> at least that's, that's, that's how I go. Thank you. So, what do you do, what did you decide that you wanted to do when you were talking about making the decision to move back and to... To, to go after your dreams. What is it that you were dreaming about? What do you want to do? I thought I really wanted to be a doctor. Okay. I, it was a lifelong dream. You know? yeah. I've always been sick as a kid, and I grew up coming in and out of the hospital, and my grandparents are always sick. Uh, 
funny thing. My mom was the only one who was never sick. Almost the rest of the family is always sick. And I guess with that, you know, environment growing up, I I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And in Abu Dhabi, the the schools and the universities over there are more on business and, you know, not not much of the medical industry. So I had to come home and um, get to study yeah. medical college degree. But thing is, when I got here and got exposed to how it is to be a med student, yeah. everything just <laughs> shifted. And this is not, I mean, yeah, it's nice to think about it. When you think about the end of the journey, yeah, yeah. the end of process of med school but during med school it's just tough i i got sick i got anemic and stuff and it, it wasn't it was bad it, yeah i mean i thought to myself <laughs> i wouldn't want this to be my career you know right so how long how long before you changed your mind what what are you doing now it started after we had our on the job training. Yeah. We had to take shifts in the hospital. And I've had a lot of crazy experiences because my first day on the job, I was assigned at the ICU and a patient just died right when I came in for my shift. Wow. And I saw them putting the the, the oh, way. No. So <laughs> I'm like, That's scary. No. And I was really shook to the core because my family member just died and I saw him die and I was, and everything yeah. just came back to me. And I'm like, oh, shit, shit, no. So yeah. I ran outside the ICU and I'm like, oh my God, I can't be a doctor. And yeah, there was also one time I was assigned at this renal unit and I, I wasn't informed that almost all the patients were positive of hepatitis C and tuberculosis and I didn't have any mask on I didn't wear any gloves and I was interacting with the patients and it's crazy it it was it was really crazy I was I realized now now I don't want to do this (laughs) so how did you go to a school where you could change your mind or what are you doing now then yeah thankfully I chose program a track where I could choose any program within science technology engineering and mathematics okay so I'm I'm good okay if I don't want to pursue med then I could go through any of the technology engineering and mathematics so that's good yeah I when I went to college I wanted to become a bioengineer Yeah, I was uh, 17 when I was like, yeah, sure, let's try this. And it felt like a, at that point, maybe because it was the way our education system was, you pretty much, once you decided something, you didn't change your mind because it was so expensive to go to college, you know? And then I went to the U.S. and luckily my university was a big enough university that it had pretty much hundreds of other majors and, you know, and several departments and it was about a year and a half into bioengineering that I realized that, oh, this is not for me at all. So I was able to switch because I had 
a lot of other options that I could do it with. But it's, it's, I wouldn't, so I can tell you with personal experience that it's completely okay to um, be, I mean, one of the things about growing up is the disillusionment of what you think things are supposed to be, but they, they happen in such an interesting way that you learn so much by going through this process in the first place. So you can't really eliminate experiences because they were so lovely. You were, you were learning, you know? And one thing that I, I quickly thought when you mentioned that you wanted to become a doctor, I was like, you know, that maybe what that means is that you, you want to, you want to be a healer. You want, because that's, that's what you write about. You write about healing and you want to help other people heal. And one thing that I really find helpful is that when I want something, and this is something that took me years to really figure out, but when I want something, I ask myself why I want it. And then whatever answer I give, that's the, that's the first layer of what I want. And then you ask yourself why you want that. And then you ask yourself why you want that. So for example... It's like, you know what, I, w- I really want a vacation. But then why do you want a vacation? Oh, because I'm tired of work. But why are you tired of work? Oh, because I've been working on this thing that hasn't worked out properly. Why do you think it hasn't worked out properly? Maybe because I wasn't really into it in the, from the first place. Why weren't you into it from the first place? And you know, you keep doing that. It's like, a, it's a, it's like being your own therapist. You, yeah. And I think that is one way you can hopefully figure out as you go that, okay, I know that my dream is to accomplish this. How many ways are there to get there? And you pick the one with the least diseases involved. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what does someone like who's going through all of this do for fun what do you do for fun is it boring if i say writing no writing should be fun it shouldn't be too it shouldn't be work you know yeah to be honest i find writing as my stress reliever yeah every time i have a rough day or I'm stressed or I'm sad or I'm happy. I just, and I feel this sudden urge, you know? Yeah. I want to write. I want to write. So I'm going to grab a pen. I'm going to grab my phone and just write all my notes and stuff. And yeah. it's just, I feel like it's how I keep track of myself as well. Yeah. And I just, I just enjoy it a lot. And my friends would message me asking, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Do you have any plans? No, I'm just on my bed writing actually. Mm-hmm. And the, Writing again, yeah, I mean, it's fun. <laughs> it's boring, but I don't really care. I think that's that's very good. I, I completely support that. It's, <laughs> it's in my job description to completely support that. Thank you. At such a young age, you already have such an inspiring story that people, that's why I wanted to talk to you too. I think that People want to see. People want to see themselves 
uh, in other people so that they feel good about what they are. And it's important like for you, for, for everyone who is open and honest about what they've been through and how they came out to, to share their story. You know, like well, that's one of my favorite things that, that, that we get to do is we get to be a place where people do that. So the thing that you may have, since you've heard the podcast, you know that I like to end on, I usually ask people how, if there was a younger version of them listening to this, how, what kind of message would they want to share with them? You're very close to the people I'm, I'm asking you to talk to. <laughs> You're 18 and I usually ask people about 15, 16, but yeah. you, what would you want to say to another girl out there who could be listening to this? Uh, what, what message would you have for her? You know, at around 10 or 11 or 12, you feel like life's already so hard. Life's, life's tough. Life's, life's everything I don't want it to be, but there's so much more, you know, mm. in the coming years. There's so much more out there. There's a lot more experience. There's a lot more learning. Just, just live life. Yeah. That's how it is for you now. If that's life for you now, then live it as it is. Eventually, life will be different for you, and you get to live it differently. Just be patient. Wait for your time. You know. Yeah. That's just, just it. <laughs>